scores. Let's go. So what that was, was the brand new Toronto Maple Leaf, Ryan O'Reilly, spending his very last moments, minutes, hour, whatever it may be, as a St. Louis Blue. Blue? St. Louis Blue? Is that the singular for being on that team? I've never thought about that. Being a blue. A blue. <laughs> yeah. I guess, yeah, because I mean, it's like, you're a leaf, you're a blue. So Unless okay. you have the blues. <laughs> not anymore. Not when you're getting out of St. Louis. So right. he uh, he spends his last day with uh, a kid from the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Do you have the name, Steph? You want to show yeah. Um, Hank Walker made this wish back in 2020 after being diagnosed with posterior year three-year-old valves, something that led for uh, to a kidney transplant. And Ugh. yeah, his wish came true. Um, his his hockey hero, he, that, that's what he wanted, to play hockey with his hero, happened to be Ryan O'Reilly, and his last day is a blue. There she goes. One day contract. Oh, so cute. That's awesome. Good for Ryan. And uh, that's what we're going to start with. Welcome to the Toronto Maple Leafs, Ryan O'Reilly and Noel Akari. Is it Akari? Uh, Achari. It's Achari? a C-H because I think it's an Italian last name. The double C. I was going to say it, Italian. it looks uh, Italian. Yeah. Achari. Achari. But... Yeah, no, just this clip essentially sums up the kind of guy that Ryan O'Reilly is, right? Like he is an ultimate leader, um, goes beyond <laughs> to do things for the community. I mean, he's won a Lady Bing. He's a Stanley Cup winner, Con Smythe, Selkie, one of the best two-way forwards in the league, on the dot as well. Come on, this is exactly what we needed. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this back. Uh, we pulled the two episodes up. It was December 15th and 28th, I believe, are two episodes. Uh, they're marked in the description of them as Ryan O'Reilly and Ryan O'Reilly again. So yeah. we we did talk quite a bit about this. I know there were a lot of names floating around there, but uh, finally, we find out who Dubas has been uh, sneaking around about. So the Leafs acquire Ryan O'Reilly and Noel Achari. From in a three-team trade with St. Louis and Minnesota. St. Louis receives Mikhail uh, Abramov and Adam Gaudet, Toronto's first-round pick in 2023 and Ottawa's third, and Toronto's second in 24. Minnesota receiving Toronto's fourth. And with that fourth, they get Josh Pilar and another 25% or half of the half of Ryan O'Reilly's contract because... Uh, to sum it up real quick, every team can only retain 50% of a contract. So by involving a third team, they get another team to take on 50% of the 50%. Leafs winding up with a 25% retained 1.875 cap hit Dang. captain. So uh, lots of, ca you know what? The thing that I wanted to say about this, and I know I'm going to criticize it, even though it's a Leafs trade. All I can say is it's a good thing the salary cap works. Yeah, <laughs> right. If it's in the Leafs' honestly, favor, yeah, go ahead. it's in the Leafs' favor. But like, honestly, the Leafs giving up a fourth round pick is just because the salary cap exists. Like, they don't care if they have to pay him one point eight seven five, or I mean, it's prorated for whatever how many games we've played up to this point. 
but they don't care if that's 3.6 or 1.8. The, the money means nothing to them. It's the cap hit that they have to make work. So really, they just lost a fourth round pick because of the salary cap when really the point of the cap of having them not spend the money it was irrelevant here. So it's just another example of why the cap is stupid. Not to get into it too much, but that's it's really dumb that the Leafs lost a fourth round pick just because of the stupid salary cap. And Minnesota essentially bought straight up a fourth rounder for 2024 because they're like, okay, 25%, I'll take that deal. Uh, maybe it'll work out. I don't know what was going through 25. their minds. I don't know. Yeah, 25%, sorry. No, it's 2025. Oh, 2025. Oh, there's yeah, so the many involved in this trade. Eh? Yeah, let me look at what they have left. Because that's actually kind of... I didn't realize it was a 2025 pick. I'm going to look at the Leafs cap friendly. What do they have left for picks? So... Well, the first is gone. First is gone. They still have... Uh, they have a conditional third. Um, Arizona has the option to exchange the 2025 second round pick for Toronto's 2023 third round pick. So Arizona might steal that pick, but potentially the Leafs have a third, fifth, and sixth this year, and that's it. Next year, they have a first, fourth, fifth, sixth, and two sevenths. And then in 25, they have a first, third, fifth, sixth, seventh. So they're missing a lot of picks in the next couple of years, but they still have their first the next two years. They just do not have a second for the next three. I don't know about you, but do you risk it for a future, you know, for winning time now because this core is ready now? Like, it's supposed to happen years ago, but if it isn't now, when? Because also Dubas is up. Like, do you give those picks up or save them? And they could potentially be busts, right? Like, even though it's a first round pick included in the trade, that person is probably not going to break the NHL till like 2027-ish, right? 2026 maybe, earliest. And like, do we have the time to wait that long? I Right now, I don't care about 2026, 27. I know exactly. in 2026, 27, I will care and be like, I can't believe we traded whoever a couple years ago. We're going to know who this first round pick was. I don't care right now. I really don't care. We have such a huge draft pool that's going to have us set for the next couple of years. I'm not concerned about who the Leafs first round pick a couple of years down the line is. If they're tanking, like say none of this works out and in a couple of years they decide to blow it up, they're going to get all of these picks back by getting rid of these guys. So I'm really not concerned about them not picking if things go south. As long as things are on the up and up, spend it. I'm tired of sitting on these picks. Dubas has had his time to draft. We have a massive pool of prospects that everybody's excited about. We were able to get Ryan O'Reilly without moving really any of them. They got rid of Adam Gaudet, who barely even played, barely cracked the lineup. And Mikhail Abramov, who, I mean, was kind of a middle-of-the-pack prospect as far as most people were concerned. He wasn't at the top of the list. Lower I'm, tier, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm I'm okay with this, like 100%. And that... It, means that they still have prospects and players to move they have their first from next year i know it might be crazy to spend two firsts in the same season but i mean look what florida did they don't have any and i know it didn't work out for them but yeah it's it's not impossible for a gm to just go out and spend the moon because the leafs are still i'm looking at it right now i know it was about four and a change yesterday but i think with uh, Samsonov being hurt and then the emergency loans and everything. They're sitting at 3.67 for 
um, deadline. And I mean, yeah. if you can pick up Ryan O'Reilly at 1.875, 3.6 is so much for Dubas to play with. I don't think he's done. I know that's, we'll get into that because that's been a lot of people's questions is whether he's done or not. I don't think he is because he has so much more to play with and to spend. But uh, I really like this trade. Um, let's get into what Ryan O'Reilly does for the Leafs. And no Lakari, but um, I mean, tonight was obviously the first time we got to see them play. Uh, I missed the game. I made plans long ago, not realizing any of this was going to happen. Actually, let's start there. So, Steph, you and I both did uh, the same thing in postponing Valentine's Day till Friday night, thinking that uh, <laughs> all clear, you know, I know we're approaching deadline day, but nothing happens late on a Friday night. Lo and behold, yeah. um, got home and uh, had about 150 notifications from every single platform. <laughs> Ryan O'Reilly's a leaf. That was a, right. a little bit of a shock. I got it about uh, 45 to an hour late, and it was like, ooh, I've since starting to cover the Leafs as intently as we have, I haven't missed anything that big by that long. And it's like, it was really jarring. <laughs> Yeah, I was in shock. Uh, first, I you know, you have to check if there's any... Um, you have to check for authenticity of the post, right? That was my first thought. My first <laughs> oh. thought was people started sharing this, but it's fake. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to get excited about this until I know. Yeah, and I didn't want to get punked. And it's Marty so easy to get punked. looking at you. <laughs> right? But Marty changing his picture and named Elliot Friedman. Leafs get Jim O'Meyer, <laughs> oh you <my> dick. <laughs> I was pleasantly surprised, even though we brought him up several times and kind of leaned on the favor that maybe he won't be a good fit because we don't necessarily need him on a third line. And we were thinking for his value because he carries a seven and a half mil cap hit that Leafs simply couldn't afford him. And we weren't expecting this double retention plan happening and such. And if it was going to go that way, I thought it would be so expensive that it wasn't going to be worth it. But with what Dubas yes. ended up spending on it, I think I think what we take for maybe not take for granted, but we maybe what we underestimate is though the Leafs are up against a wall uh, constantly when they're trying to make these trades, the like the St. Louis Blues are up against the wall trying to get rid of Ryan O'Reilly. Like it's kind of the balls in their court, right? Like they yeah. have to either move on from him or just burn the season and not get anything. So, I mean, I'm sure people are lowballing them because, you know, it's it's kind of on them to take whatever trade happens because they have to make the trade. The Leafs don't have to acquire Ryan O'Reilly, right? They can go somewhere else. So I think in grabbing him before Timo Meyer comes off the market, you really get to underpay for him. I think that's why Dubas was able to get away with uh, not giving up some of those prospects that were coming up like nice and uh and such like i'm not saying he didn't spend a ton like the first and and second and third and fourth are essentially gone now but yeah. in what he got for it i think it it was a very good value trade and uh yeah i'm just gonna say it's because he was able to pull the trigger on this before some of the bigger names like timo meyer and jacob checker go because that's gonna really you know once Meyer's gone. St. Louis is now going to have all the teams that missed out on him looking their way and start a bidding war between each other. But at this point, it's still, you know, uh, on the yeah. loose to make a good offer. That's exactly it. Um, 
<clears throat> for what you pay for Ryan O'Reilly. You take that all day long. Uh, when we were talking it pr- about it previously, it just seemed like it wouldn't work. But tonight we saw Tavares on the wing. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly on PP2, uh, killing penalties. We also had Noel Achari in the mix, which is, for me, the ultimate cherry on top. And I know Beaner has mentioned him several times on this pod last year, this year. Like, this this guy is the type of player you need in your bottom six. He enters the Leafs, you know, leading in the hit category category immediately um second behind matthews in blocks uh he's not afraid to shoot i mean tonight he had five shots five hits um with 1730 right on the fourth line this guy was a beast um for me tonight especially he played on a line with zach aston reese and kerfoot it's like it gave them a whole new life uh zach eston reese i i really was sad for you missing this johnny because you've been saying how disappointed you were you have been in him recently right and tonight he was disappointed but just like underwhelmed i don't know i haven't been like oh he's a staple he's got to be in the lineup like just not sold yet but i'm glad he was playing well yeah first period three shots on net for czar like they had multiple wow. opportunities to the point when we were in the third period and they're up four one might as well start playing the fourth line a bunch and evening out the time on ice because uh, if you look at everyone's time on ice it's literally 14 15 16 17s across the board it's kind of it's all all good <laughs> Yeah. And so really just just getting into what Ryan O'Reilly does for this team is, I mean, we saw tonight it it allows the team to spread out more. It gives them the depth. We talked about the bottom sixes last episode and how the Leafs just didn't stack up and we needed that. This is like the best possible thing you can add to your depth, right? Like just looking at what he brings, I mean, through 64 playoff games, Ryan O'Reilly has 56 points, 22 goals and 34 assists. That is insane like yes he has 691 points through 978 playoff game or 978 regular season games but it's his playoff numbers that are like he's almost a point a game that's insanity and nolachari brings in 54 games of playoff experience yeah he's only got seven points through them but he's been in the playoffs every year since 2015-16 and it's been with the bruins and the panthers so it's yeah. teams that know what they're doing. They're bringing experience. And I'm just glad that it's impactful people and not, you know, all, the bottom of the barrel, you know, what we were able to scrounge up, what was we could afford, you know, it's it seems like they really spent on something that was going to make an impact. And that's what I'm the most happy about. Yeah, uh, collecting captains once again, but this time around, I feel like this captain is obviously proven. He has that dog in him. Like this guy doesn't like to lose, as uh, Marty pointed out tonight on Twitter. And these two players understand the difficulty of the Atlantic Division, especially Nora Chari, right? Coming from the Bruins, the Panthers, like he obviously plays a certain style for a reason and he's stuck to his guns. And this is what Sheldon Keefe, I'm sure Dubas is preaching to him as well. You know, like they were saying it on the broadcast tonight. It's clear. He knows what his role is and he does it so well. And it's just so nice to add that 54% on the dot he's averaging 
Ryan O'Reilly is around the same um, at the same pace but that's one of his lowest years in his career usually he averages near 58 59 percent on the dots so for a puck possession based team oh my god this team's gonna be on fire like no disrespect to Holmberg like I, I praise him but at this time period time is now to tighten it all up get everyone familiar with one each other one another and no no more loose ends um, I'm just looking at Ryan O'Reilly's awards voting history. He has been nominated for the Selkie and Bing. So 2010-2011 Selkie, 2011-2012 Selkie and Bing. These are just like votes. 2012-2013 uh, Selkie, 13-14 Selkie Bing, 14-15 Selkie Bing, 15-16 Selkie Bing. 1617 Selkie Bing. 1718 Selkie Bing. 1819 yeah. Bing Hart wins the Selkie, wins the Smythe. 1920 Selkie Bing. 2020, 2021 Bing Hart Selkie. Last year, Bing Selkie. This dude is nominated for it every single year. <laughs> that is and, insane. Both of them. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's nice, right? It's so nice to be able to have this conversation and not just have like a an outlier year or even though he started he was drafted by care or um Colorado goes to a pretty poor Buffalo team and at the time Colorado wasn't the greatest team either. Those were the dark years for them. There's and a reason they have the players they have now. <laughs> yeah, and it's truly remarkable of how his career has been formed and the progress he's been through. And now he's a Leaf. He can play his thousandth game as a Toronto Maple Leaf if he plays the next 22 of the final 27 games remaining. That's wild. Oh, my God. Yeah, so and... Sorry, this is such a random, random thought, but I noticed when looking at the pictures today, he rarely smiles in his pick. Like, he did on draft day. He did when he, yeah, he got signed and whatever. But today, he had the biggest smile on his face for his team photo, and it was so nice because every other year, he just looks like a scruffy, miserable like, bear in a sense. <laughs> But yeah, he's hometown boy. Got asked after the game tonight, you know, did you ever see this coming? And he's he said, no, like I dreamt of it, but I never thought it would ever happen. He was a second round pick. I didn't know that. Yeah. 33rd overall, I believe. Yeah. Nolachari, undrafted. Wow. Yeah. He started an ELC later. at 23. What? Yep. What? I noticed that looking at his stats, I'm like, what the hell? This guy's 31 and his stats only start at this period in time. And I'm like, oh my God, he's like another bunting in a sense. Yeah, he signed with the Bruins out of Providence College, NCAA, for a couple of years. Yeah, hmm. yeah. But uh, I don't know. I'm excited. And I honestly thought Adam Gaudet was going to be next up. But obviously, yeah. things happen for a reason. And I was I was happy with the rotational Marnie Marley like bottom six going ons, you know, like one day Joey Anderson, one day the next guy. But if we have solid guys like this, then there's no more worrying in a sense. Like you can always 
put in someone else to give them a spark once in a while or a rest if someone's injured. But Yeah, and I think it's more important to give the younger guys a chance. Like when you've got Adam Gaudet, it's almost like he's taking up a spot of the Marley's top lines because he's going to be obviously night in, night out more consistent than some of the younger guys, but it's not giving them a chance to really take on responsibility and be in those top roles down there. So I think it's the obvious choice to move out. Um, the thing that I like about O'Reilly is like going back to the, the Selkie and Bing thing, like because he's a two way player, it's somebody that fits into the leaf system that they've been trying to cultivate, which is responsible forwards and, you know, playing a 200 foot game. You know, we've seen it from Matthews and Marner and Nylander and like, they've all been really improving on that end. Tavares was already good at it, but I'm glad they found somebody that already fits that instead of not that Timo Meyer doesn't, but it's just, I feel like he's just kind of a, like a Kawhi Leonard where it's like, we're just bringing in somebody who's good at the game. I get it. Kawhi Leonard won the championship for the Raptors. It's a bad comparison, but it's more just like, this guy's really good. We're just going to bring in the guy that's really good. This is somebody yeah. that's good and gels with the team. Um, I, there's A, the hometown vibe, and B, I'm drunk, so I'm listing things um, alphabetically, and C, uh, he... He just he plays that full defensive game like it's it's nice that the Leafs have responsible forwards, especially with how much emphasis has been put on how unresponsible, irresponsible some uh, some forwards on other teams. <coughs> Vancouver are <laughs> Edmonton, uh, <laughs> Winnipeg. It's all Canadian teams. Wow. Uh, at going back <laughs> and playing defense. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm happy. And today, the lines, like the bottom six, you had Zar, Achari, Kerfoot, or sorry, Ingval, Kampf, Yarncroak, and then Zar, Achari, Kerfoot. It felt like it didn't feel like we had a fourth line. It kind of felt like we, uh, Chris Hurley's idea of having like a, a 1AB and then a 3AB sort of line combination of, because our first two lines are elite so <laughs> to say the least. Uh, yeah. obviously i didn't get to see the game so o'reilly wasn't the third line center they put him on the second line and bumped Tavares to the wing yeah which is the thing that we all talked about and said like that's kind of crazy what in your opinion do you think that's the better move than spreading him out and putting him to third line center with like kerfoot and eggball you know they did have their chances tonight, the first period. I mean, the first shift alone, O'Reilly looked great, had two chances. The thing was, JT, it was clear that he's not used to playing on the wing. No and the only time that would really happen is like, what, Team Canada games where you're playing with a bunch of superstars out of position or something like that, an all-star game or whatever. But... He was a minus one JT. He had two shots, three hits. But I don't know. I saw a lot of complaints online. I think it's still possible. They can gel. I, I'm not against putting um, Ryan on the third line either. I mean, Keith said before the game, he has unlimited options now <laughs> with the capability. Yeah, because just looking at the the daily faceoff here. So first power play. JT, Marner, Nylander, Riley, Matthews. Second power play, O'Reilly, Bunting, Yarncroak, Sandine, Lilligren. That's disgusting. I th like The fact that you can spread O'Reilly out to your second power play center is crazy. 
like while also yep. stacking the first line with four forwards. <laughs> yeah, seriously, uh, it was such a big improvement tonight, especially starting some of the power or one of the power plays at least with the second unit, and you didn't feel like oh you're kind of waiting for the core to come out and save the day sort of thing. Like they were fi firing on all cylinders and. Um, O'Reilly got his first apple tonight as a leaf and he that was off a Michael Bunting goal and yarn croak assist. So it's it's working so far. I mean, obviously so much has happened in the last 24 hours and they had to fly today and do everything right, but I think it gets better. Well, what I really like seeing here, um, it doesn't match what the line combinations were supposed to be tonight, but uh the most time on ice for a penalty killing forward because Lilligren had the most team-wide Nolachari over a minute tonight of shorthanded time and uh, Ryan O'Reilly with 30 seconds of shorthanded time so I'm glad that Keefe is immediately trusting that these guys know what they're doing and putting them into high responsibility positions and and leading the effort there because look it's yeah. it's a game against Montreal you can kind of throw everybody in and say great how does this work without uh, easing everyone into it, throw them into the fire. What happens? You've got O'Reilly leading your second power play and your second penalty kill and your second line. Yep. A uh, true leader through and through. And Achari is the cherry on top here. I love it. I love it. There's more to come, I assume. But tonight was great. And I'm really sad you missed it. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> oh, my uh, God. But Played some fun games, um, did some board game night stuff. So, nice. you know, it was a good time. Yeah. They're, fun fact. Uh, go, oh, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to talk more about uh, Ryan O'Reilly. No, fun <laughs> fact, do it. Because I can't Ryan remember. I was going to talk about the game we played, but I can't actually remember the name of it. But. Oh. Well, Ryan O'Reilly, number 90. First time in Leafs history, Ooh. number 90. So that he's a little piece there. He'll uh, forever hold with him. Also, he's a no-visor player. If anyone did not notice tonight, there's only seven left in the NHL, and the Leafs have two of them. Wow. Can you guess the other one? Is it David Camp? Nope. It's a grandfathered um, in thing, so they've oh, been around a little longer, minutes. right? Nope. Uh, Jordy Ben. Jordy Ben. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, Achari's number 52. Who last wore 52, Roscoe? Oh, when was it? Uh, a while ago. We talk about him often some sometimes, but he hasn't played with the Leafs for a good while now. What era? It's like he never... It's like he never leaves. He's just uh, always a leaf. What era? Through and through. Um, early Matthews days, right before Matthews as well. Oh. Kessel days. 52? Yeah. You got this. Fenceman? Yes. Um. Everyone's screaming at home right now. Mm Martin Marinchin. Martin Marinchin. <laughs> no way. 
I was like, yeah, I, I, Marty I couldn't picture it, but yeah, that's, oh, yeah, the era when I was actively not watching the leaves. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just getting scarred. Uh, even oh, we're trying to lose this season. Great. Call me when it's the draft. Yeah. Let me know who we get. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not hurting myself all year. Um, but yeah, I don't know if you've played this game before. It's like kind of like a combination of a bunch of different games, but there's like a stack of cards and you, you draw a bunch of them and you have to, it's kind of like the, the, the pyramid game and charades and taboo, but like you have to, oh. you have to get people to guess what word is on the card and you can say like anything as part of the description that it gives you. Um, but then the second round you have to do it as charades and the third round you have to do it as just one word. So it gets oh. like harder and harder. I've probably seen that game. I don't know. But we have a huge cabinet of games. We always bring a ton of games to every game night. Like a, We actually pack a miniature suitcase when bringing the games. Oh my gosh. just so many. But... Uh, yeah, no, I, I love games. Uh, I was nights. in college during the height of Cards Against Humanity. So my mom for a couple nice. years just was getting me like the expansion packs for it. So I have like the Trump and Hillary pack, the weed pack, the 90s nostalgia pack, <laughs> the 80s nostalgia pack, like so many of these different ones. They're fun. It's just I have a lot of cards for that game. <laughs> you got to buy the the hardcover um, little case thing to pack all your cards in i have it, it the bigger blacker it. box we can buy a case for all the games so they're not all over the place oh. that's what we had to do because it was just getting out of hand so now right. we just you open up the case and there's like 20 games you can pick from with no boxes you just oh, grab right. it and go cool you'll have to send me that um, yeah do you know about the the big box for the cards against humanity cards yeah and the secret card. Yeah. Um, we usually play Disturbed Friends instead of Cards Against yeah. Humanity because it's funner. And I have like the X-rated version of all the games. Nice. <laughs> but anyway. Anyways. Leafs. Um, so what I Leafs think. Won. What? Yeah. Leafs won. Michael Bunting has a great night with two goals. Um, anything you want to chat uh, as far as the goals go? Because, I mean, we've got more to talk about. Um, as far as trades and stuff go all i want to say is that of course josh anderson certified leaf, leaf killer, killer certified oh my god uh 13th goal of his career against the leafs of course and yeah um this all starts in the second period i mean the first period there were some great points. Uh, it just seemed like nothing was going in or they missed the net or ding off the crossbar, right? <laughs> but something super funny, I just, before I forget, in warm-up, Ryan O'Reilly is doing his pregame ritual and then he showers himself with his bottle, which happens to have BioSteel in it. Oh, no. <laughs> so he's covered in pink shit. He's like, what the hell? Looking down at his hands, like, am I bleeding? No. Wrong water bottle, bud. That's funny. <laughs> Couldn't read the label. So he had to shower himself with the water and uh, get on with his way. But that didn't affect his play because, like I said earlier, the first shift was buzzing, second shift buzzing. Leafs are on their third line change, and Habs still had their first line out they just made oh their change Lord. a minute and 30 in because the Leafs just hemmed them into the zone 
so much going on. Deflection, ding, like, oh my God. Shots 16-13 to end the first period. Uh, and with that, let's start the show. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's way too late to play the intro. I just realized we hadn't done that yet. And it's like half an hour in. <laughs> yeah. It's like, have you ever seen those shows anything. where the cold open plays out and then the intro starts and you have to like literally check how long into the stream this is. It's like, we're 12 minutes into the episode. It is far beyond where you're allowed to play the intro. You missed that opportunity. Let, don't, yeah. don't do this. Don't do this. Anything well, past like three minutes, you missed your chance. It's the worst for, uh, I think it was How I Met Your Mother I noticed it the, the most when it would be like beyond a cold open. It's like an entire scene plays out. They change locations. They go back to the apartment and it's like, Oh, first commercial break, break. So let's play the intro. It's like, no, 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 Eminem. no, no, no. You can't do that. <laughs> play it at the beginning then. Well, for Ugh. any new new listeners, welcome back to Leafs Late Night. Presented yeah. by Inside the Ring. <laughs> this is Steph the Fanalist. I'm with Roscoe, who uh, forgot to click the button. And now we're back to the game. Yeah. <laughs> now we're back. Um... Yeah, you can you can finish up with the game. There's more, like I said, there's more trade stuff I want to talk about, but I missed yeah. this. So I'll get to see the debut of these guys tomorrow night. Yeah. Leaves second period. Oh my God. Three goals from the Leafs. One from Josh Anderson, which honestly, Wall had no chance. It was deflected in front through traffic. A point shot from Matheson. Anderson just got the dip. And of course, uh, He's certified. Just stamp it on his forehead. Certified leaf killer. Boom. And it's one nothing. I don't get it. It's so frustrating that somebody. um, Yeah, I don't know. I don't get it. He he has such a mediocre season and like all of his goals come against the Leafs. It's like he's paid five million dollars just to be good for a couple games against Toronto. Okay, I saw a tweet, but I just got to check real quick. Where is his name? Josh Anderson only has six assists this year. So he's played 53 games. He has 21 points for 15 goals and six assists. Like, come on. Damn. I know. I can't believe he's just not a playmaker. And I get not being a playmaker and not collecting assists. But, like, how do you not get more than six secondary assists? Like, the amount of goals Suzuki and Caulfield were scoring. Like, he's just so far removed from anything going on there. Yeah, exactly. But the good thing about this second period, too, to right after to answer to Josh Anderson, the Leafs convert on their first power play opportunity, which is always a good sign. We want them to sink that shit real quick, get the gears a flowing, and it happens to come off PP2. So Bunting gets the goal, Sandine dumps the puck before entering the zone, and Matthews collects it around the boards, cross-crease pass up and over Allen's shoulder because Bunting is right there down on one knee. 17th goal of the season, man. Good news for Bunting. Um, I just got to shout out um, the Habs on Reddit account on Twitter, r slash Habs. Guess what they said about the game tonight? We cheated or something? Leafs are about to get their first win in three games versus the Habs this season, and all it took was Monaghan, Gooley, Gallagher, Slavkovsky, Evans, Edmondson, Jack Eye, Caulfield, <laughs> and Doc to be out with injuries or sickness. Impressive. Very nice. Well, 
Habs have also allowed at least four goals in the last seven of 11 games that they've played. They just lost to Carolina 6-2, and what the fuck is going on? Uh, Marty looks really pissed behind the bench. He looked mad the entire time, and I don't know, man. It's a problem when your newest people, like your your prospects are coming in, your, your rookies are kind of carrying the game for you because you have Harris who just signed a deal um they also had Pezzetta who's also a beast every single game but he's also a rookie um there was another guy on D who actually tried to challenge Matthews after he dropped Suzuki but kind of accidentally like Suzuki just fell on his ass so uh Kovacevic Kovacevic and Baron and yeah. what's this guy's name? Shuneman? Ilonen? Belzeal? Like the amount of people in this game that I've <laughs> never heard of. That is so unfortunate for the Canadians. Yeah. I know you're trying to lose, but like, my God, that sucks. Yeah. Matthews literally smiles him off of him when he tries to push him. <laughs> like, yeah, okay, but like, who the fuck are you, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean even at 30 but, shots montreal was reduced to like eight and nine in the second and third period so yeah. 30 41 to 30 shots but good oh thing you're God. here tonight because pierre ingvall shoots the puck alan saves <clears throat> it <clears throat> sneaks through Oh my god, you gotta watch this replay when you get a chance. It literally drops between his legs and it trickles and he does like a backflip to check and it's in. And we're all shocked. <laughs> oh man. Giraffe well, I've power. got it. I tried to watch it, but there's an ad, so I'll catch it oh. in like yeah. six, five, four, three, two, a couple seconds. Um <laughs> So how did uh, obviously we had we found out that uh, Ilya Samsonov? Okay, actually here I'm just gonna watch the goal first. Um, okay, so blah blah blah, Engvall fighting in the corner because he's big, Chad Engvall. <laughs> oh my god! See, that's how Engvall should be scoring: slam somebody in the corner, go give me the puck. I'm bigger than you. Yeah, and just throw it on net. Like just force your way through. I don't care if that created a rebound or went in the net. That is exactly what Pierre Engvall should be doing. I hope he does more of it. And I hope that's what playoff Engvall, play, Pierre yep. Loff Engvall looks like. So uh, Nuno on uh, on Twitter was like, oh, no, no. what is Pierre Engvall going to bring to the playoffs? And immediately after, Pierre Engvall scores. So we were saying that he, yeah, he, he summoned the beast. Uh, the beast was unleashed from Ingvald tonight, and it was always nice to see, especially when you have Bunting, Bunting, Ingvald, Nylander, Kampf. All four lines worked. All four awesome. lines sco- scored pretty much, right? And that's and, what you want out of a trade, is like, yeah. if, especially if you're trying to bolster everybody, right? Like, it's it's hard to bring two guys in to affect four lines, but that's really what Dubas did. Because you can spread yep. people out and put them in the spots they're supposed to be instead of filling holes where you are lacking. And I think this was a, the best possible, you know, move with the least spend. I did not think he'd get this much for that little out. Achari a, a could have had a couple tonight. Uh, that similar play like Ingval there getting in front of the net. Achari was all over that tonight and throwing his body around with five hits. Um 
Then David Kampf, right? Third period goal. I know Nylander scored before him, but it's always just this cherry on top for me when David Kampf scores first in 28. So it's nice to see these types of guys get activated again and put on a show for the new guys and say, listen, okay, this is the type of play we're used to and this is the expectation. Goals come from everywhere and we're going to continue that. Yeah, um, just to, to end off our trade talk here, um, especially the O'Reilly one, and then I want to talk about the goalies. Uh, I posted a poll on Twitter yesterday right after the deal saying, is this deal enough to get Dubas an extension? And from just under 200 votes, have you seen what the results are? Uh, no, actually. It stayed pretty much um, the same from about, I would say, just under 100 here to just under 200. And it's 69% yes, beautiful trade, 31% no results or bust. So, I mean, it's not like it's completely one-sided. I would say like 70-30 is still enough of the audience that not everyone's convinced. And I wouldn't say it's just like, you know, a couple people that are just being negative. Like it's a fair point that, you know, you can make this trade, but until something happens and they're able to actually turn this into success, it, it... it's hard for that to mean something. But as far as Dubas's extension goes, I mean, the trade is all he can do. Like the actual bringing in of players is the only thing he can affect. Like everything's in motion as far as the decisions he's made. It's all on the players after that. So I think it's hard to say that the results are on him. I think he has done with this trade and probably one more enough to show like he's worth keeping around. Like it's, we're talking about extending somebody we're not talking about like you know are they the best ever is he the the most fantastic gm on the planet i don't know that's not what we're talking about do i want him to keep being the gm of this team yes because i don't think there's anybody better out there right now for us that's available yeah no seriously uh for the price you can't turn it down and um even tonight, Ryan O'Reilly was 12 out of 14 on the dot. Uh, oh my gosh. What? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, Noel, Noel was, a, was a little bit less. I think he was 4 out of 11. But honestly, a little. he always... Rec- but he recovered, you know? And like he had a presence on the ice. And he was noticeable. So 36% I mean- on the dot. But I think that gets better with time. Yeah, and it's hard to be impactful and noticeable in your first game. And the fact that both of them were, you know, in such high responsibility roles, like I said, Achari was killing penalties. He had the, the most minutes of any forward on the penalty kill tonight. Like, they at least trust him. So that's... Something. Yeah. Um, Joseph Wall getting his first win at the Scotiabank Arena. Um, yeah, so yeah. Sammy out with an illness. We find that out just before the game starts. So nothing to be concerned about. Thing. might be a bug i think it's maybe like a like the flu or something the bug forcing the e-bug eh? <laughs> yeah. which uh sarah in our discord pointed out that the leafs are over the maximum amount of contracts but uh it's listed in red because emergency call up so there is shalgren baby goalie backing up joseph wall and the leafs obviously had to send down two so the only two who were not wait or who are waiver exempt are pontus holmberg and wayne simmons so they go down to make space we have to call up the two goalies 
We have one on emergency loan basis. And here we are hoping that Sammy feels better soon so we can smile with him. They also moved Matt Murray to long-term injured reserve. So all I can take from this is they're just going to let him rest up to be their tandem slash probably the backup heading into the playoffs. But I think it just it allows him to get back on to 100% and for them to make some moves here. Like it's it's gymnastics, it's dumb cap shit, and it's an injured goalie. So eh, it's a good combo for them right now. I mean, I don't hate it. It's just silly. I'm just going to go back to how dumb the cap is that they have to have somebody take a rest in order to make trades. It's like, ugh. yeah. Do you want to go to questions? We have a couple. Yeah. Here. I was just saying we're getting a bunch here like late. So I'm glad we're oh. getting to this. There's been nice. a ton of them come in while we're recording like over the um, last half hour. Sheldon Keefe also 150th win uh, wow. as a head coach. Yeah, uh, but okay. um, I I just want to say one more thing before we get to the questions, because yeah. just based off your poll there, uh, I had a thought in mind, then I lost my thought, but it came back. 30% of people, right? Um, I kind of don't blame them, right? They want to see the results or bust because we were once in this position where we gave up a first and others. Nick Foligno comes in, captain of the Columbus Blue Jackets complete bust or well he was injured and it just didn't work out right like it just was he the captain yes he was yeah he was holy so and there was the whole historic thing with his father being a former leaf and everyone was so hyped so do people stay on the hype train which is you know mentioned in one of our questions you might as well mike at mike the fanatic says are us happy birthday mike happy belated birthday mike yes Missed ya. Are us Leafs fans overhyping this team after the trade, or does this team officially feel different? Realistically, how far do each of you think they can go this year? It's it's so, a fair question, right? Like, are people overhyping it or what? Like, is this another captain to our collection that's just gonna collect dust on the IR shelf because he just came off of IR? Or will he be impactful along with his fellow former blue? Like half of the league has been on IR this season. Uh, it's <laughs> it's either, like I said, a cap maneuver or it's people have just been getting hurt a lot. It's a physical game and they're giving guys a rest because I think it's becoming more uh, commonplace to just, if guys aren't 100%, instead of putting them out there and potentially hurting them more, just throw them on IR, call somebody up. You've got so many players and you're so restricted with how many you can have up. It's almost an opportunity. It's a blessing in disguise kind of thing every time somebody gets hurt. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But for the Where question, um, overhyping this team after the trade, I mean, we got to stay positive. There's so much to look forward to, especially with his cabinet of trophies and endless nominations for the trophies, right? I think overhype is the the wrong word. I think it's just people weren't expecting him to swing for the fences. Like I know it's been talked about, like Friedman has been saying, you know, Leaf Nation, like watch out. He's going to make a big move. There's going to be a blockbuster here. But, you know, we just, we never see it. It's always been, like I said before, the people that you're not expecting. It's something out of left field. It's never the top names. Uh, we talked about O'Reilly being unaffordable, you know, multiple times. So yeah. I think 
it's fair that people are shocked and excited about this because it's not something he typically does. And that means that he has the confidence this year to spend something that he wouldn't normally spend. Like, I mean, if he had the same confidence last year, we would have gotten, who was the big name at the deadline last year that I'm forgetting? It wasn't huge, but um, good there question. was somebody. There was a I lot. The de- Well, last summer, anyways, the big ones were Huberto and Gaudreau and Kachuk and, but for deadline Brent purposes, and, yeah. Um, I'm trying to know, remember who the big Colorado, yeah, and like Tampa and Colorado acquired bottom six players that really helped them send them over the edge, and some D like Josh Manson, for example, for the for the Abs and. Um, who was it for Tampa? Here, I'm looking at deadline last year. When was it? Buh, 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 buh. It was like February, wasn't it? Yeah, it's uh, two oh, weeks no. away. No, it's March, March 3rd. But when did they do it last year? It was late. It was March 20 something. Yeah, here. It was like March 21st last year. Um, oh, Max okay. Domi. Victor Brask, Tyler Mont, Nemesnikov, Broussard, um, Mark Andrew Kopp. Andrew Kopp. Andrew Kopp. Yeah. That was a big one. Riley Nash, Arturi Lekkinen. So it wasn't yeah. John. Yeah, it wasn't like, yeah, Capo Kakinen, Marc Andre Fleury, Brian Little. Oh, yeah. yeah so it was like, it wasn't a big first line forward though so i think that's why this year it was like everybody was just expecting it to go somewhere else you know boston always gets the toys they want that's why we're allowed to be excited about this yes we have to wait for the results but as i said this is dubas's job is to you know between now and march 3rd make the best moves he can and it's up to the team to do the rest and i think he's put them in a really good position to spread everybody out play the the spot that they are the best at with the amount of responsibility they were comfortable with. And I think it's going to lead to great results in the playoffs. So as far as how far I think they can go, Eastern conference final against the Rangers is going to be really hard. Yeah. Honestly, does this team feel officially different? Um, It's too soon. I think it was super nice seeing two elite lines just going at it and no holes. I mean, we saw JT tonight and it's not like he was horrible <laughs> he still did his job and um everything was was great when Leafs won but give it at least 10 games right like just to gel with the boys and maybe test Ryan O'Reilly on the third line center just to see or play yeah. around a little and yeah but obviously it does feel different um uh, I feel like Nick Foligno was like a ryan o'reilly light in a sense and this is like the real deal this time right like nick felino's worst game or best game is probably ryan's worst game in my opinion so and and with what we saw from st louis last year where every what was it eight or nine guys had over 20 goals like the potential's there this year they just can't find it and they're falling apart so i'm glad that we're getting him before it's been too long removed from his good years it's uh, yeah. it's just been this season. And honestly, being hurt, I'd rather him be hurt than be with this garbage team for 
the last 50 games. <laughs> and he's not going to have uh, any any goalies swinging at him. He's not going to have any hot heads or anything. But uh, realistically, obviously, I think the Leafs can go all the way. I On paper, they are <laughs> solid and on, on ice as well. It depends if they want to play the right way that night, right? But uh, Atlantic Division is the it, hardest. Yeah, I just think it's going to be, once if they can get past Tampa, um, it's going to probably be the Boston and then Rangers would be the, mm-hmm. the route, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and yeah. I think that's going to be really, 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 really hard. Like Tampa is probably the most beatable, uh, followed by Boston and then the Rangers, but they're pretty close there. Like with the moves the Rangers have made to bring in... Um, Tarasenko and the fact that they've got Shesterkin back there, like their defense is that little bit better. I I just I'm scared of playing the Rangers now, man. It's crazy. Yeah, we have Shesterkin, Vasilevsky, Allmark. Great. Allmark is having a good season. He's not a fan. I don't know. It's no. I I mean, it's crazy to put him in a conversation with those two. But yeah, this year has been insane for him. Yeah. Um, okay. But, uh, Other questions. Next question. So just going off uh, Ryan O'Reilly, Mikey D asks, now that he is a Leaf, uh, if he stays, what does his next contract look like? This is interesting because he's 32, so he's not in like end of his career mode where he's going to sign for 750K or 800, whatever it is next year. Uh, but I do think there's a world where he takes a couple mil to stick around because i mean at 32 he has had quite a few years of making between six and eight million a year that maybe he would rather stay here especially if they find the success in the playoffs um make it yeah. through a few rounds um i could see him sticking around if it's a first round exit i don't think there's any chance but uh if he has a really good second half of the year here and they go on a deep run he could do it because He's not going to get that. I mean, you're really starting over again if you do that somewhere else. Um, he's an Ontario guy. I I think it's possible that they could work out a deal. It's just a matter of does that then force your hand in a year or two with your Nylander deal or your Matthews deal. So I don't want yeah. anything that's going to hurt that. So I'd say the the most you can give him is like $3 million and you got to get rid of somebody like, like Kerfoot Perfect. in order to make it work. Like if if you're bringing O'Reilly in to replace Alex Kerfoot, a thousand percent, because he's that but better and more consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, I just it's going to be on O'Reilly whether he wants to uh, take that hit in his pocket to uh, to stick around with the Leafs. Akari, yeah, I think, is the uh, the more interesting one to resign because if he works, you can get him on a an Engvall like deal, and a couple of those guys are all running out this year, so. It's it's going to be kind of up to Dubas who he wants to keep around for the bottom six. Too many clowns in the clown car. We did not give up anyone yet besides some Marlies. So got to make the decision. Uh, the ability, you know, to play center was an attractive aspect about Kerfoot, our, our utility knife. Now we have Achari who can play center as well as Ryan O'Reilly. So you got to you kind of got to pick because also on the PK, you the Leafs have. Marner, Ingval, Kampf, ROR, Achari, Yarncroke, Czar. 
right? And it's like you got to make the decision now, the hard decisions of who who's staying and who's going. And as we were speculating who's going to the Leafs, I think we all agreed on it ha- like or hoped anyways. I remember I said, I hope it's a hometown boy so that they can take a discount because Kyle Dubas said he's only going to go after people who are interested in staying. And O'Reilly already said Toronto was on his short list of teams he was interested in when he's going to test free agency in the summer. So now he's getting a sneak peek. Yep, sneak peek um, early. And he has the option of staying or not. Uh, And it has to be a good, friendly, team-friendly deal. He has to have the dog in him, like Bunting, who's also going to take a team-friendly deal to play with his boys. And yeah. Live at home, the dream, the childhood dream. Play your thousandth game as a Toronto Maple Leaf. Retire as a Leaf. But to do like so, it. you have to meet us halfway. Please. Okay, Please. Next one Please. comes from our very own J. Bean, Justin Bean. Ooh. The Beaner. Uh, how will the other teams in the East match up against the face-off prowess of the Leafs now? So if you didn't catch on our last episode, we matched uh, the Rangers, the Devils, and the Hurricanes bottom six up against the Leafs. Uh, sorry, the Bruins. Um, I think they, with the addition of these two guys, like I was saying, it's it would be nice to add somebody to the top six, but they really need it as the bottom six. This somehow covers all of those bases with sending the least out the door. So I'm, I'm fine. I, I think they're going to be more on par with Boston's bottom six, where it normally feels like their bottom six is is kind of taking ours out to lunch, and uh, it's kind of on the defensive the whole time. We're just trying to clear the puck. I feel like we can actually generate some offense now and get some scoring from the bottom six, which is something that other teams have over us still. Yeah, and especially on the dot, right? We're already seventh overall in the league, uh, 52.3%. But watch that number just go up, and oh, especially 100%. our power play. Last game, we were sitting at fourth. We dropped down to six again, 25%. Now that we have Ryan O'Reilly on PP2, it's, it's, it's lethal, right? It's lethal. You have Bunting being a little snaky snake in front of the goalie. You have Yarncroke ready to shoot that at any point. Sandine with the blast. Now you have Ryan O'Reilly and Ingval. Come on. Bunch of shooters. So Bunch of shooters. Um, yeah. Next one comes from... Let's go to at VI Blue and White Zapper. Do you think the team was stoked about the new toys Dubas got them or what? And do you think Dubas has a couple more up his sleeve? Uh, as we've said, I think he does. Uh, just because he can. Pardon me. Yeah. Uh, do I think the team is excited about them? It's hard not to be. I think adding somebody that's a name like that, like Ryan O'Reilly, that's a captain and somebody that all of them have played a ton of games against. Mm-hmm. Come on. it's hard not to be excited about that yeah um i i believe geo said today when asked uh his his response was that he was worried about who left the team honestly like he wasn't worried about who's coming they're worried about who's going and that's the mindset of this team right uh they're they're all friends in this locker room so obviously 
they're super ecstatic. Even Gio said, like, I'm just glad we didn't lose anyone at the end of the day. So today is a good day for the Buds because they're only adding at this point in time. In the future, tears may shed, especially if, you know, Kerfoot is out the door, for example. I think it's going to hurt for some, but it's the business. And that's exactly what they'll say. It's it's the business. Yep. Um, next one comes from Ryan Williams at, at what is this? At 1706 Ryan. So can we forget about the Columbus game and just call this one Wall's first game of the season? Yeah. What Columbus game? Yeah, what? 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 We didn't even Next. talk about it. Next. <laughs> yeah. um, it. Run it back forever at TML Fan and Van, a.k.a. Marty Zilstra. Is Ryan O'Reilly good at, and I'm going to do it, hockey in air quotes? <laughs> what kind of hockey? Actually, Ryan O'Reilly is... Um, I follow the St. Louis Blues on Instagram as well. He, they always post clips of him practicing, you know, using a ball against the wall um, with his stick, just fucking around, not even fucking around, just, just playing around with his hand-eye coordination. And he's really good at what he does, using different types of weighted balls and, and such, like kind of like what goalies do, but he does it with a stick. And of course he's good at hockey. Come on, he even has a hockey smile. <laughs> so the answer... Yes, Ryan yes. O'Reilly is good at hockey. Thank you for the question. Good one. Uh, next comes from Benito, the Basset Hound. What's it like to have a five-on-three power play? I forget. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize this until somebody pointed this out on Twitter. Uh, the Leafs have not had one, or they've had one? Yeah, so they've had zero so far this year, whereas the Winnipeg Jets has, has had three in their last game alone. The Leafs have not been off on a five-on-three advantage, and they should have been so many times. So this is our tinfoil hat growing once again, and I'm totally with you, Benito the Basset Hound. insane. Um, he says, I'll, I forget, I'll stop now. Had some whiskey <laughs> going to bed, catch the show in the morning. Y'all rock. You rock too, Benito. Aww. Also, yeah, did you rock. see how mad Austin was after dragging the puck out of the corner with two abs on his back to pass to the, to backdoor Bill for the tap in? I don't think he realized they were going to call a penalty. Yeah, man, this this was a nice goal. And uh, William Nylander tonight almost did the um, thing he did last game, nine seconds into the period, the first period, you know, wrap around the toe and in. His attempt didn't work because Allen squeezed. But this one, man, I don't know how Matthews was able to feed with all that traffic. Cross crease. Did not miss. Manlander is... He's evolved, okay? <laughs> they showed the stat tonight. He's averaging, what, 1.17 points a game. And um, throughout his career, those numbers just steadily went up. Last year, it was 0.99. Damn. William Last Manlander. part of Benito's uh, question. Can I get some dogs treats? Uh, can I get some treats or is it only Dangle that does that? So does Dangle give dog treats? Um, Isn't that victory puppy thing in the beginning or does he give away? I don't know. I haven't watched one of those in a long time. We'll send you some treats. How about that? How about that? How about that? Send us your address. Send you some um, puppy treats. 
<laughs> That's all the questions I have. Um, I just want to say Mikey D had a fun question. What's your favorite banger from Marty Zilstra? Oh, I've shuttered it out before, but there is a song that I'm always finding myself going back to. Everything on Boom Chick is sweet if you're trying to get into the game, but there's one from his older ones. Oh my gosh. It's from the Dragon Isn't it Fine called Spider. Music? There's one no, it's called, called Moon. Moon? Sorry. From the Dragon oh, there's Fine one called... Spider. Oops. There's one called The Music that's really cool. I enjoy. I totally agree with you there. The whole Boom Chicka album is awesome. Of course, Rattle the Glass is elite. Um, I don't know. I like all of his music. I'm very fortunate enough that where Marty sometimes sends me uh, music clips of songs that he's creating. Same. Yeah, and I really enjoy that. So thank you, Marty. I appreciate that. And uh, check out his music, guys. Marty Zilstra. I like this one because it's spacey and like... Oh, the sweet, sweet voice. Yeah, it reminds me of Animal Collective, but it's better <laughs> than Animal Collective. Yeah. Um, cool. So, um, anything you want to close out with? Because I just have one little quick thing. Uh, nope. Tomorrow the game is at 6 p.m. Eastern time for anyone who is not aware. And we will be in Chicago. Sweet. So, yeah. Monday's family day. Ooh, but uh, no, good game. I'm glad we got the points against the freaking Habs. But yeah, Heck yeah, freak yeah. Um, so I got Hogwarts Legacy. Did I talk about this in the last episode? You spoke about this. I don't know if we were recording or not. Okay, sorry if I talked about this already. But now that I've put like 12 hours into this game, I have an <laughs> honest review of it <laughs> for like. Okay. I've had it for like a week. Um, that's normal, right? <laughs> so <laughs> it's visually stunning. Uh, the the actual landscapes and the buildings and the lighting and everything. I'm playing it on PC with a pretty good graphics card, to be fair. But it looks really, really good. The faces of people, like NPCs, aren't great. But the actual world looks gorgeous. Flying around on a broom is like so cool it's so satisfying to hop on your broom and fly around and cast spells and like the amount of spells you can get it's it's just a very satisfying hogwarts experience like what you'd expect from being a wizard or witch um the side quests are fun there's a lot of like stuff you can do there's a big world to explore if you're into the the potter world where i don't like the game is the actual Mm -hmm. and and this sounds crazy but like the story itself is not that great, even though the game is really fun still. Like, I'm going to finish it and I'm going to enjoy all of it, except for the few main story quests. Like, there's so many other things you can do and explore, but, like, the actual things that they lead you down that they've written for this game don't make a lot of sense. It's supposed to take place 100 years before Harry Potter, and you're like, oh, this kid who joins as a fifth-year student who can see ancient magic or something 
sorry, there's going to be spoilers if you want to get through the game. Um, I'm trying, I'm going to try not to spoil too much, but like you can see ancient magic, which there's like these old magicians like left behind clues and you're supposed to follow them to like find this thing that they hid. And it's like, why is, if this is a hundred years before Harry Potter, why is, does none of this come up through like the seven books? Like, like hmm. it, it, there's some things that they took liberties with and I get it, but like this just seemed like it was out of left field and they, they make you, it's main character syndrome where you're like, oh, you're special and you can see things no one else can and you have to go on this special journey. It's like, no, I just want to be a student. <laughs> I just want to like go to class and cast some spells. I don't want to do this. How is the soundtrack? Does it live up to the high, you know, Harry Potter has a, crazy soundtrack they've done obviously orchestrated um concerts for it now does this game have similar soundtracks yeah i mean you get the headwigs theme like the john williams the like all the time um to the point where it's like a little repetitive but it was kind of the fact that it, I took note of the fact that you can recognize an entire franchise by a short little melody that John Williams wrote, which is really cool. And he did that for, you know, Star Wars and E.T. and Jurassic Park and all these different yeah. Home Alone, like everything that he composed for it. You can literally recognize the entire franchise by, by a short little nice. melody. But um, the the game, yeah, the music's good. Um, I like how it, it kind of changes based on what you're doing. And I don't know the fact that they, they built out the world around the school. Like there's a bunch of little towns around, like there's not just Hogsmeade, there's little hamlets and stuff you can go to. And I don't know. I like exploring and like doing fun stuff and finding treasure and things. And I just don't like being special. If that makes sense. <laughs> they just made it seem like you were just like you get to go to school and be a student at hogwarts and do fun shit because like oh sure like harry i don't know harry's supposed to be like special in the sense that he's special because his parents like saved him and this guy wants to finish off what he started it's not like he was born with like a gift the fact that you're like born with this thing and you're just like inherently Hmm. good at stuff that just, I don't know, that just makes me feel like I don't, it's hard to, I don't know, I guess games are a lot about immersion. And when you feel like you're starting with a leg up on everybody and you have some some special task that like nobody else is a part of that like you have to go do on your own. You can't talk to anybody about it. It's just, it's not very relatable. And I know being a wizard isn't supposed to be, but they're supposed you have to at least like draw parallels from things to be like, you know, mm. if this was my life and I was a wizard. Well, what I've been doing. <laughs> All that's that I give it like a, a seven and a half out of ten. <laughs> There's a new show on Netflix called Perfect Match, which is literally another reality TV show that I have a guilty pleasure for. And it has all previous cast members from other shows. Sorry to change the topic on you, but what? like all of the contestants are either from Love is Blind, The Mole, Too Hot to Handle, or something related like that. Oh They're my all God, from Netflix. 
Yes. Oh my Four god. Episodes. Yes. Oh my god. And it's a dating show, so they're all dating each other. <laughs> and but some of them are from Love is Blind. So if you like it's interesting they're different worlds, they connect and if you're a big fan of reality television, it's like kind of like RuPaul's Drag Race uh, All-Stars. It's like all your favorites come come together in one show and you're like, "Yay!" <laughs> you know what other shows like that is uh, X on the Beach. It's a British one that they started doing in uh, North America, but everybody on it, like the whole premise is that you go onto this island on a resort or whatever it is, and they, they bring people in one by one. It's the same as any other of these dating resort shows. But um, once they have the like core eight or 10 people on, everybody that gets added to the group, like every episode, like a boat will come in with two more people. And it's their exes from the shows that they were on before. So they're all from like Big Brother UK and like all these other MTV shows. And they'll like bring on the people that they had drama with from other shows to be like, oh, fuck, it's my ex-girlfriend. It's like, what? Oh, no, sorry, babe. I'm going back with her. It's like, what? You guys have been together for like three weeks. It's like, no, nah, it doesn't matter, babe. She gets me. I'm just weak for wow. her. <laughs> this show is the exact same. Whereas five girls, five boys half of the girls and boys have already been to with one another and they admit oh, that I straight up it. to the camera <laughs> and already. they choose to elect new people to come into the house and literally every single time they've had a previous relation with them or they were on the show <laughs> together or like something fucked up <laughs> and they have to vote someone in but they have to stay in a relationship in order to stay in the game so it gets really cutthroat there was a um, show that we watched on youtube last year it was like uh it's called reality house and it was like kind of the same thing it was just people from youtube brought together to do this big brother type show but one of the guys on it was peter from season two of too hot to handle i don't know if you watched it he was like the oh. guy with like the the, like yeah. the brown hair who was like the little like short king yeah. guy <laughs> yeah 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 well he was, he was like the big name that they got for the season of uh, reality house it was so funny i haven't watched that one but uh yeah they even have winners on the show like joey from season one of the circle the winner is on this show like it doesn't matter if you've won or lost in the past and if you came here for know. hockey i'm so sorry <laughs> Oh my god, yeah. We just stopped playing recording. I know you didn't even get our intro and the outro is just non existent now and uh sorry guys. Yeah. <laughs> well, um Thanks for sticking with us. Yeah, thanks for Appreciate all the questions. You. Oh, and on that watch the video. This, we gotta watch this show on Netflix before I lose Netflix because uh I think in like a couple of days it's gonna lock to my parents' house. And uh oh. I don't wanna do that. <laughs> Only four episodes are released at a time. It's shitty. So now I have to wait for the new one on uh, Tuesday or whatever. Fine. Okay. Like, they well, won't let me binge. Mad. That's bullshit. Well, let's get out of here. <laughs> Thanks, Steph. Yeah. Thank you all for the questions. Appreciate it. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Join our Discord. Watch us on YouTube if you didn't catch the last ones because uh, we're going to start doing more clips and stuff. And those are way more fun when you can see what we're doing. Bye.
Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Leafs Late Night, your night of post-game podcast. Available after every game on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, and more. Ryan O'Reilly is a fucking thief. Yeah, yeah.